You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Duma on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show Hour 4 continue. I'm Patrick Duma. got Cam Hughes, got Interim Callum with me as well. And Week 6 in the CFL got underway last night in Edmonton. It'll continue this evening between the Argonauts and the Alouettes. But the Stamps and Riders will uh, put a bow on it tomorrow evening in Regina. And I'm uh, privileged to be joined by Jamie Nye, host of the Green Zone on 980 in Regina and 650 in Saskatoon. Also does some writing for CFL.ca. Jamie, thank you for uh, taking some time out of your morning and joining me. Yeah, no problem. All right, let's get to it here. Uh, obviously, uh, despite all the injuries uh, to this group, they're 3-1, and one, new quarterback in the fold. What's the feeling around the team right now? Well, I, it's positive because uh, they're winning yep. uh, some close games, of course. Uh, they're f- uh, four points away from this being a, a disaster to start the season because uh, I'm watching that game last night, and in the back of my <laughs> mind, all I'm thinking is, how did the Rough Riders almost lose to this Edmonton Elks team twice this season? Like, right. are they, I, I think I think what we're seeing on Saturday is two teams that their record I don't think quite indicates the difference. Like, you're a three and one team versus a one and three yeah. team looks like a pretty dramatic difference. But I think the Calgary Stampeders and the Rough Riders are way closer uh, than that. Yeah, obviously uh, they met uh, in week three, twenty nine, twenty six, Saskatchewan winners in double overtime after uh, Nick Marshall picking off uh, Jake Mayer to close that one out. I say uh, they were feeling around the team. How about the the feeling in the province and the city? Uh, Obviously, uh, new quarterback in in Trevor Harris. uh, This group tough loss last year in the playoffs, hosting the Grey Cup. But what's the the, the appetite for the team? Obviously, it's huge, but uh, the feeling amongst the fan base. Uh, it's a, it's a lot more optimistic than it was, of course, last yeah. season with Cody Fajardo getting sacked 77 times uh, because <laughs> it seemed like every time he dropped back to pass, he was running for his life. And uh, part of that was on Cody. Uh, he is not the greatest passer in the pocket, uh, as we're seeing in Montreal already this season with uh, them on track for 99 sacks. But with Trevor Harris, He's come in and right away changed the – well, Braden Lenius, uh, one of the receivers who's unfortunately injured, he said change the aura around the quarterback room and around the leader in the huddle. And I found that really interesting. And I think it's it's passed on to the fans where Trevor Harris came in. He's 37 years old. He's been there, done that. He knows how to speak to the media. He's not going to get into his feelings as much as Cody was about hearing the outside noise and the critics. He just does his job goes about his business, knows what he's doing, leads by example. He takes incredible care of himself. Of Mm -hmm. course, he's one of the TB12 people who's worked out with Tom Brady, and uh, it's been a dramatic difference in just the way the quarterback presents himself and speaks. And I, I think that is really helping this team get behind Trevor Harris. And, of course, in crunch time, we're seeing Trevor Harris being able to pull out victories. And of course, Trevor's been around the league for a while. He's been in a few different markets. But uh, how's he taken to uh, to Saskatchewan and, and being immersed in uh, in a CFL mad uh, market like uh, like Regina is? I, I think he he has a, a lesson, new lesson every day on what it's like to be the franchise <laughs> quarterback in Saskatchewan. Like uh, something new happens. He said a couple of weeks ago, he's like, I was out and someone's like, Hey, can you take a picture with my dog? And it was like, <laughs> I've never had anybody ask me to take a picture with their dog before. And it was like, it, just these little moments and the fans know his kids names already and wow. all that stuff. And so it's just like, 
he's he's and and his family is kind of learning it. They they're in town. They were in town uh, last week. They're in town for the summer until of course schools start again. So mm-hmm. uh, they're learning about you know they're getting recognized. So that is how knowledgeable the fan base is they do their research yeah. about their franchise quarterbacks and and welcome them in like that's part of the hospitality just in the prairies mm-hmm. anyways right mm-hmm. a new neighbor comes in and you want to you know go take bake him a cake or something yep. like that right yep. so that that's what's happening with trevor harris and his family in saskatchewan right now well that's definitely uh, i'm sure uh, definitely a culture shock from where he was in montreal where probably nobody knew who he was to uh, where everybody knows who <laughs> the heck he is out in regina uh now the injuries uh some names that are on that list uh roland milligan he's in a, he was in a walking boot yesterday he's been pretty good this year as well uh what are some names uh, that might have the most impact on the team injury wise going forward well, this week, the changes from last week, will the big two are on defense. And you mentioned Roland Milligan's already been deemed out, as has Anthony Lanier II, who is one of the highest-paid defensive linemen in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, graded out uh, last year, if you want to look at pro football focus, is one of the best defensive linemen in the league. So he's out. Um, Brian Cox Jr. will fill in a little bit. Of course, his dad, a top NFL player, Brian Cox yep. Sr., so... He's got some of that linebacker pedigree in him as a defensive end in the Canadian Football League, so I'm excited to see what he shows because he showed up in training camp and in preseason. But Roland Milligan, Anthony Lanier, they're some of the leaders on defense. That'll be big losses. They do have the depth to fill it, but it is a patchwork offensive line already for the Rough Riders. Brandon Council, their left tackle, is uh, out for this game, so another move around the offensive line. And they're just getting by in the receiving court because that six-game injured list has five capable starters on it. I mentioned Braden Lenny is Kean Schaefer-Baker, Darrell Walker, Jake Winicky, and Juwan Breskison. So that is big-time depth, but a former stamp in Sean Bain Jr. has shown up. He's one of the top receivers in the league, of course, and they're getting by with a pretty strong run game in Jamal Morrell. Uh, one of the names uh, that was picked up this week, uh, he was let go in camp, uh, but he had an injury, but he, they really liked him. Jake Hirschlow, uh, what, what type of game can he bring to this group? Well, he won't play this week, yeah. but it, what we saw in training camp, like every day he was wearing 77 and it was <laughs> writing down 77 and there's no, there's 77. And he started actually moving into a little bit, getting reps with the first team offense and he was popping every day. Like not the quickest guy, but he's got very sure hands. He's a great route runner. And one thing, you know, former special teams coach Craig Dickinson loves is he was uh, graded out as one of the top special teams players in his conference, Mm -hmm. Uh, not as a returner, just as like a cover guy and a blocker. So that could be a, that's a, that's the greatest way to hold on to a job in the Canadian football league as as a young American is be strong on special teams. Um, I was gonna say, okay, uh, yeah, Brett Lowther. Uh, what's his status uh, heading into this week? I know he popped up on the injury report. Obviously, had the had the big kick last week that uh, CJ Sims couldn't bring out the Enzo. But uh, and then you guys signed uh, Campbell Fair. He was a stamp six round pick this past year. But uh, is Lowther good to go? Yeah, Lowther's going to be held back. He did. Uh, Craig Dickinson said he did practice yesterday, but it was a closed practice. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, trust Craig on that one. Uh, he did not practice at all last week going into the game against Edmonton, barely practiced this week. They're just holding him out because of a little bit of a hamstring issue. Nothing serious. He can kick through it, but you know, the less he's out there, the better and more rested he is for game day. So right now they're just going to play it by ear when it comes to Brett Lothar. He will kick on game days, but probably won't see him much, but they're interested in this Campbell fair. Yeah. 
that comes over who has a 55-yard game-winning field yep. goal in, a, in his University of Ottawa career, which is intriguing. I've, I've watched the kid kick this week. He's definitely got pop, but uh, accuracy has been a little bit of an issue. But with young kickers, mm-hmm. usually the more and more and more reps they get in, with a pro coach, you see that accuracy pick up. Oh, we're talking with Jamie Nye, host of the Green Zone on 980 and 650 in Regina and Saskatoon and writes uh, for CFL. Uh, you mentioned Sean Bain Jr., former Stampeder. Uh, he was uh, now over in Saskatchewan, and he's got a, a more of an impact now that he's uh, not a lot, like you mentioned, not a lot of names healthy right now in that receiving core. But what has Sean Bain Jr. Uh, brought to this group? He is just uh, he's just versatile. Like, oh, yeah. They put him everywhere. They can use, they'll hand him off the ball. They'll have him on sweeps. He'll go deep. He'll, he'll be, he's a good route runner, too, and so he can be a good second down reliable guy. And he, you can see how the chemistry is going with Trevor Harris. So he's got speed for days as he showed on that big play against the Calgary Stampeders a few weeks ago, but Stamps mm-hmm. fans know it well because of the, the speed he's shown, but in limited time in that receiving yep. core in Calgary, but he's getting his chance. Everybody, when he signed across the CFL, we're looking at Sean Bain jr. As a potential breakout player in the Canadian Football League, and he hasn't disappointed. He's number six right now in receiving mm-hmm. in the Canadian Football League. He's a he's a he's a good guy too. Like getting to talk to him and stuff. Like he would before training camp, he was doing public uh, like going out and meeting fans and stuff around the community, and it, he he was blown away. Like talking about Trevor Harris, blown away. He's like. <laughs> I, I haven't even touched the field yet. And people are like, oh, are you, are you Sean Bain Jr.? Oh, yeah, welcome to Saskatchewan. Wow. We're excited to have you. And he was like, what? Like, I, I barely played in the CFL and people know my name. So he's, I think he's loving it a little bit in Saskatchewan on uh, that aspect. And he's got to be loving that he's getting a bigger opportunity mm-hmm. here than he was in Calgary. Uh, talk about Nick Marshall. Uh, he's been at the center of both the Riders' last two wins, uh, game-clinching interception last week against Edmonton, and then two weeks back, or three weeks back, I guess, against uh, against Saskatchewan. But uh, just a, what is he, I think he's the definition of uh, what a ball hawk is in this league. Obviously, we know him as a quarterback down at Auburn who shifted over to the defensive side of the ball. But what, what do you think he means to this defense? Well, well he is someone who Saskatchewan... They he, they have a love hate relationship with Nick Marshall because he's such a ball hawk. Yeah. He will take risks, as as we saw on the Malik Henry fifty two yard touchdown in, in a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Is he went on the inside instead of following on the outside of Malik Henry, and he just missed the ball, and there was Malik Henry gone behind him. So he's such a ball hawk that he has those instincts that he's willing to take a risk, mm-hmm. but it can burn him. And it looks bad because there's number three chasing the receiver down the field. But outside of that, this guy is a CFLPA all-star. His peers picked him across the league as one of the best corners. He is, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a ball hawk shutdown corner who, once he gives up that big play, you're watching because you know number three is going to get the ball in his hands. And, and the instincts, as you mentioned, he was a quarterback in Auburn. The instincts of being able to read the quarterback and how they're setting up to throw. And he said on the interception with Jake Mary had his eyes in the backfield and Mm -hmm. saw just the shift in Jake Mary's shoulders. And he went, okay, he's coming right here. This is me. And last week when he threw the pick, he he was watching. This was insane. He said he watched Dylan Mitchell of the Elks go to the line and fix his gloves, (laughs) like adjust his gloves. And he went, he's getting ready to catch the ball. He's the number one read. So he like right away picked up, and I guess he's, it's film work that he's noted yeah. 
more often than not, when he fixes his gloves, Dylan Mitchell is probably one of the primary receivers on the route. So he knew he was hot, as he said. Cornelius, of course, threw the ball behind him, but Nick Marshall was in tight coverage to pick off uh, the ball and end that game too. So he is a smart guy. He does his work. He's athletic, former quarterback who can read route patterns and route combinations. So mm-hmm. uh, he is, he's been fun to, he, he's fun to watch because for the opposition, the, the, he gives up a big play every once in a while. Uh, but more often than not, he's on the right side of the ball on the rider defense. No, having that quarterback mind uh, definitely is probably has to help him on both sides. It's just having everything, just seeing everything. Like I love that little note that he's like, oh, he's fixing his gloves. He's getting the ball. That's that's awesome to hear. Uh, the week got underway on Thursday in Edmonton. Uh, Elks now tie the 1953 St. Louis Browns for the longest home losing streak uh, at 20 in a row. Uh, Chris Jones, well known in your neck of the woods. How much longer uh, can Edmonton keep him around? I don't know. Well, they can't, they, they, they're, what is, exactly. They're paying other guys, too. <laughs> yeah, it, it all depends because, uh, like, the Jamie Elizondo, Brock Sunderland combination yep. that they fired and let go, they're still paying those guys off for the next year or two. Then you have Chris Jones. Now, it's interesting. It's all about that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor Kui told reporters last night that it is a four-year contract, that they'd be on the hook for two more years. Mm-hmm even though other insiders from around the Canadian Football League have said that it was, you know, it, it is actually four one-year deals that they wouldn't be on the hook. That's the detail that matters. If it's the the former, which is they owe them for two years after this, whew, that is a tough, <laughs> tough thing to say. We're going to put that on the books and be almost a million dollars short of the cap on football operations for the next year or two. Mm -hmm. Like you can't function. I hate the football operations cap for this reason. It completely hamstrings organizations that they can't get out of a mistake. And sometimes you make a mistake. Like the football operations and CFL cap for the players is different. You make a mistake. You can cut a guy. They could cut Taylor Cornelius and it's not like they have to pay him for the next two seasons mm-hmm. in Edmonton. But on the football operations thing, you cut a guy and you still have to pay him through the contract and it counts on your cap. That That's nightmare fuel for the Canadian Football League Board of Governors and the presidents to go, well, now, now we're stuck with a, something that's not working. And clearly it's not working with Chris Jones. In year two in Saskatchewan, that team was far better with the talent he brought in. In year two in Edmonton, it's worse than it was last year. What do you think has gone wrong with the Elks? I mean, 2015 was the last Grey Cup, uh, but like since Victor Kui came along, it's just it feels like it's just been an utter disaster for what once was probably, arguably, the maybe the most proud franchise, most consistent franchise that this league had to offer. Well, I, I was I, I some of my career was in Edmonton. I was the yeah. sideline reporter. Uh, for, for the uh, double E, the Edmonton Eskimos at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we, we'd go to a, the ballpark and it's 35,000 average. They yeah. were averaging 35,000 fans 15, 16, 17 years ago when I was there. Mm-hmm. And it was, I remember one game late in the season against the Montreal Alouettes. They announced the attendance of 29,000. They only had five wins that year. And we all look like, ooh, they dipped below 30? Oh, my goodness. That can't be good. Now they're like, how many people were there? They announced 21,000. But it looked like 
15. Yeah. Four, they looked like BMO. Like it was <laughs> bad. Uh, so that it, it's sad to see because when, you know, when organizations are healthy, it's good for the league. And when the, the Elks are healthy, it's great for the league. Mm-hmm. They're one of the flagship franchises, but now that's more the, it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers now on the way they're ticking along. But it's bad to see and something has to change. And I, I don't see how Victor Quee can sell the fans on Chris Jones anymore, but I don't know if he has any other options exactly. because of the football operations cap. Uh, the quarterback depth across the league being tested once again. Uh, Matt Schiltz, latest to go down yesterday. Uh, how troublesome do you think this this is for the league? It's well when you talk about what's wrong in Edmonton, it's quarterback. Yeah, Chris Jones put his his money on Taylor Cornelius. He went to the, you know, he goes to the poker table and puts his chips in on Taylor Cornelius, and it does not work out for him. Uh, and it hasn't. His accuracy is not there. And what else is there? Uh, Jarrett Daggy, he doesn't look that good. <laughs> they're not even looking. I don't understand why they're not even looking at Trey Ford. Yeah, I don't understand that either. Good it's confusing. But across the league, it's you know, it, it's not what it was. Uh, like mm-hmm. when I'm referencing of all that time ago in Edmonton, like there was a time when Calgary had Dickinson, and you know Burris was around. And Ray was playing, and Calvillo, and Darian Durant. Like and Jason Moss was a backup Travis in Edmonton. Yeah, Travis <laughs> Lule was playing. Like you went across the league, and it's like everybody had a future Hall of Famer yeah. and quarterback. It seemed, and it was fantastic. There was five thousand yard seasons, six thousand yard yeah. seasons passing, and now you're looking at who is there any Hall of Famer out there? Like Zach Kalaros, mm-hmm. of course, but that's pretty well it around the league when you're going okay surefire hall of famer Paul levi mitchell but he's not playing right now yeah and he's you know a shadow of what he used to be yep. in, in calgary and so it's bad and you you think about it and there's a reason for it the the national football league is allowing more quarterbacks that's about probably well, 32 minimum jobs then you have the xfl and the usfl mm-hmm. And you're up to like 50 less quarterbacks you're trying to sign in the Canadian Football League because they're going to stay in the States. Yep. And, and you lose Nathan Rourke to the National Football League. Now that's good for Nathan, great for Nathan. We, we want to see him succeed, but it's bad for the Canadian Football League on what we're looking at at quarterbacks. And there's only one solution. To get more of the best of the best to come to the Canadian Football League, you're going to have to pay them but we know what Randy Ambrose is all about right now in the CFL, and that's lowering cost of spending. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't see the solution right now in the CFL other than just getting through it, and uh, hopefully another wave of great quarterbacks comes through like we had ten years ago. Yeah, hopefully it's just uh, riding the wave of uh, of the XFL and USFL, and hopefully uh, those leagues aren't around much longer to help the CFL. Uh, two weeks away from uh, Touchdown Atlantic, uh, the Riders a staple over there for obvious reason. What, what's that trip mean to the team? Uh, well, for Brett Lother, he's from Truro, Nova Scotia, yeah, so yeah. he loves it. He shows the boys around. <laughs> he's more of a Halifax guy now than a Truro guy, so uh, he shows the guys around. Um, of course, uh, their offensive coordinator, uh, Kelly Jeffrey's got to be familiar with it. He, he coached out in the Atlantic Conference in, in university, too, mm-hmm. but um, this was new to the riders last year uh, to go out to touchdown Atlantic and the, you know, they, they brought Riderville that they do a great cup out there and yeah. stuff like that. So um, uh, last year though, that's kind of where everything went wrong with Saskatchewan. So 
They're hoping for better luck. That was when Duke Williams chucked the helmet yes. at Jack Richardson yep. and he got suspended. Then they all got COVID in Halifax <laughs> and came back and got sick and nobody played the next Aye. week and it was a bit of a gong show. So uh, they're hoping for better luck, but they enjoy their time. How can you not? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been to Halifax. I have not. Halifax is a fantastic town. I want. I need the touchdown or the Atlantic Schooners to get a football mm-hmm. team so we can have a Grey Cup in Halifax because it would be one of the best Grey Cup uh, places to go and party is Halifax, Nova Scotia. I strongly recommend. How much longer do you think we we have to wait for the 10th franchise? 30 years? Who knows? (laughs) It was, what was it, 1982 or 83 or something like that when they originally announced the Atlantic Juniors, and that didn't happen, and here we are. Well, I think it was 2018 at the Grey Cup in Edmonton when they announced the name and they had the big party and here we go. And then, you know, well, the council didn't want to pay the money for a mm-hmm. stadium and here we go. Now, I'm interested in this temporary BC, like a couple of years ago, yeah. BC had that temporary stadium when they did the Renos at BC Place. So I, I hope it takes off. As I said, I want a 10th team. The schedule would be easier. Oh the God. season would be short, like shorter. It wouldn't be 23 weeks. It would be 21 weeks. It yeah. would be... You know, really no three buys. weeks and then, yeah, yeah, it would be a lot slicker schedule and we get to go to Halifax more. So uh, I hope it happens sooner rather than later. But uh, so far, uh, what what do we get first? A stat system that works or a Halifax franchise <laughs> uh, might be an interesting question. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought up the stats. Uh, the genius sports debacle. I also noticed uh, how the Connect CFL Live stats weren't even working during uh, the Hamilton-Edmonton game. Uh, just it's a bad look for the league, especially a league this this old and this historic. But uh, like, just a thought on that on the stats disaster. Uh, it's it's a bad look. You can't make promises to your fans uh, because they did back in I, uh, April. Mm-hmm. They announced that you know, Genius Sports and the CFL great stats coming your way. Look this season; <laughs> it's going to be better than ever. And we're in week six. And last night I went on CFL.ca uh, to look at like the game tracker yeah. stats and Taylor Cornelius was like one for two at the end of the, and this is after the game. And I was like, what is happening? Come on. Oh, no. Like this is, it's what well, now from what I've gathered in talking to people, this is because genius sports came in thinking it would be an easy thing to just copy and paste their NFL and NCAA stats and use, and just in the CFL, but it's 110 by 65 yards with 20 yard deep end zones with the rouge with different <laughs> rules. And it's totally messed with the coding at genius sports. So they're trying to fix oh it. Oh my God. Um, I was told it was going to be early July. Early July, Jamie. It's coming. Well, we're mid now. Early July. Well, we're almost. We're kind of <laughs> mid July. So uh, it's again another uh, another bad look yeah. for a great league yep. that I love so much. Me too. Uh, just can't get out of its own ways sometimes. Uh, and uh, lastly, uh, opinion on the Stampeders group. Obviously, one and three. Obviously, also dealing with with the injuries. But uh, Jake Mayer's struggling uh, in his first full year as a uh, quarterback with no B- Bo Levi Mitchell around. You know, well, that's the difference between when we look at the game on Saturday, the Riders and the Stampeders, statistically, it's like right down the board, they're almost identical teams. Mm-hmm. But the difference between one and three and three and one is quarterback play. 
Trevor Harris in crunch time is making good decisions. He's getting down the field. He's not making that bad mistake. He's not throwing it in the arms of Nick Marshall in overtime. When yeah, I know what Jake Mayer is trying to do. He's trying to make a play to win rather than have to kick a field goal to tie. But you'd rather have the tie right now in, yeah. in the season series against Saskatchewan. And that's what it comes down to. Calgary is a talented team. I'm picking Calgary to win against the Rough Riders because I think they are that talented of a team. I think Jake Mayer's average is better than where it is. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at him like a pitcher, like he's throwing like a five ERA when he's a career three, and you go, okay, the law of averages should start to work out where he improves. And I think Jake Mayer will start to get it as he digs in a little deeper as the franchise guy, gets some chemistry. Because, you know, the, the stamps have been riddled with some injuries early too in the receiving core that guys are in and out of the lineup. So I like Diedrich Mills as a running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, offensive lines probably needs to figure some things out too, but I, I like Calgary. I think it's going to be a heck of a race against the Rough Riders for probably third because BC and Winnipeg look that good. Mm-hmm. And that's why this game's so big. Uh, it's the season series is on the line for the Stamps already in week six against the Rough Riders. So uh, I think we'll see a desperate Calgary team come into Saskatchewan and try to, you know, punch back after losing one at home to the Riders in double OT. Yes, an absolutely massive tilt uh, on Saturday evening at Mosaic. Stamps and Riders, 5 o'clock start. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, We'll do this again soon, buddy. Yeah, right on. No problem. Thanks for having me. No problem. There you go. It's Jamie Nye, host of the Green Zone over over in Regina and Saskatoon. Uh, 980 and 650, and he is a CFL.ca writer as well. And uh, Jamie joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Riders, stamps, tomorrow night, it's a big one. Yeah, Calgary cannot uh, lose the season series to Saskatchewan because it's probably likely those two will be fighting uh, for a third spot. Uh, We'll see if the... If the uh, crossover comes to effect later on this year, but uh, yeah, big one tomorrow night for the Stampeders. Big show hour for Sportsnet 960 The Fan.